I see a lot of patients that are probably inappropriately referred to me from GPs that should see a gynecologist and vice versa. Right. And often you're not quite sure whether it's a skin thing or it's a gynecological thing. So it's quite yeah. good to have all the people in the room at the same time. You basically get two women looking at your vagina yeah. and your vulva and you know we often will do a biopsy if we're unclear on the diagnosis and Felicity who's my colleague is very good at looking sort of more internally and working out say if you have pain whether it's coming from your pelvis and I'll to say whether it's coming from your skin. Hey Refam, my name's Kate and welcome back to Keeping It Real, the podcast that delves beneath the skin. Except for this one time we have a dermatologist. Today, I'm joined by dermatologist Dr. Alice Rudd, founder of Skin Depth in Melbourne. Skin Depth is not your usual dermatology clinic. They focus heavily on holistic treatments so they can tackle skin from the inside and out. Alice has curated a team of exclusively female dermatologists, started an in house vulva clinic with a gynecologist, and believes the principles learned in yoga training can help mitigate some of the effects stress has on your skin. In this episode, we chat about the fact that issues don't need to be life-threatening to make a huge impact on your sense of self, what exactly a vulva clinic is, and how stress can manifest in rashes and perioral dermatitis. What got you into dermatology to begin with? When I was 15, I think I had acne. Yeah. And I really thought that I was the ugliest person at school. I called myself pizza face when I was at no. school. I didn't want to have school photos. I always called in sick. And yeah. I had seen three or four dermatologists like the ones that you worked for and I initially worked for. And then I saw a female dermatologist, which was pretty unusual back in those days. Yeah. Um, and she... Just weird, isn't it? Yeah. Like why, who, who decided started? along the way that that was the male job? <laughs> exactly. Oh, and I just was totally blown away by her approach, which was very different to anything else. And, you know, she fixed my acne and I realized how important it was for me I guess aesthetically for my confidence and I became quite a different person after that experience and I thought it's not life it's not life threatening but it really made a big difference to my life and the person who I became because of it and I thought people shouldn't have to suffer through that yeah so she's really sparked my interest and once I'd been through that experience she always said to me even from the age of 15 you should do medicine and be a dermatologist and so I have a lot to be grateful for for meeting her so, um, yeah, straight after school I just got into medicine and then, you know, along the way everyone you have a path getting into the specialty programs of dermatology and haven't really regretted it. I think it's so easy to just like dismiss and not worry about but my dermatologist that I worked for was the same that he just had really bad acne and so that's why he did it because it ah, does it like yeah. it shifts and I think we say the same about what we do like if women who need breast reductions you know they mm. might have they were so self-conscious about mm. how they look and it's it's so easy to just be like oh whatever you know you're a teenager you get over it you won't remember yeah. but like it does stick with you yeah and I think also particularly when it comes to things like acne the scarring that can result lasts well into adulthood and looks worse as you get older as you lose your collagen yeah right and, you know I think I get men in their 50s and 60s who are really concerned about scarring yeah and I don't think you can underestimate the chronicity of that and having that all the time for your whole life on your face and how you see other people that don't have it so I think yeah I, don't, I think you can't underestimate it and yeah then, you know, we're not it's not a melanoma but it's really it is really important and we live in such a visual society now and I especially noticed in the last two years during COVID yeah it's all zoom and um you know and so yeah. various things, and I think people really feel a lot more conscious of how, and people have always worried about that. But when I was growing up, there was no Facebook, there was no mobile phones, there was no social media. Yeah, no one was Zooming you in. Know. And even I was concerned about it then, but I think, you know, people these days, I think it's a bit more prominent now. 
Have you noticed an uptick of certain surgeries kind of since there's been more of the flick to Zoom where people are just looking at their faces? Yeah, I think we don't do surgery, obviously. That would be more something like what Richard would do. But I think definitely people have become a lot more conscious of how they look. Mm. And so you do see a desire more so, I guess, and it depends on the generation, but sort of just for healthy-looking skin. So peels and lasers and rejuvenating things where you don't look too done. I think people have gone away a bit from the injectables and more into having a healthy look to the skin. I think that that's become much more popular in the last few years. Yeah. Is there anything about dermatology you wish people knew, like something that they kind of always get wrong when you're talking to them? One thing I I think that everyone should know, and it seems very basic, but a lot of people still get the sunscreen wrong. Yeah. Uh, It seems really basic, but the amount of people that ask me, do I have to wear sunscreen every day? Yeah, right. I mean, ask a dermatologist that question, but it's true. And it's even now we... So are so device-based, blue light from our devices can cause right. you to have pigmentation in your skin because our right. melanocytes have a blue light receptor, for example. So if you're worried about melasma or pigmentation, then you have to wear sunscreen indoors, even if you're yeah. not going outside. So I feel like that's still getting through that message. It's always something to worry about. No, always. You're going from this side. <laughs> yeah, right. So I think, I think that message, and, you know, you do, I do see a lot of young people coming in with sunburns and things, and I think... People should yeah. do that, but I feel like it's sometimes a message. I think the message has got a bit lost. Yeah. I And it's so funny because it's so much better now, obviously. Mm. And I think Australians, I remember when I was living in London, my friend said they were going to the tanning bed. And I was like, <gasps> and he was like, oh, I've got Australians are so annoying about tanning because it's just so drummed into us, right? That it's like, yeah. you can't, you can't just lay out. You can't lay out. Um, <laughs> so it is true. a lot better, but you are still like, yeah. I still have friends who are like, oh, but I'll just get like a base colour. And then, yeah. like, I'll start wearing sunscreen and I'm like, that's not how it works, please. No, but when you're young, you're invincible, aren't you? And you think, oh, it's not, not going to affect me. Yeah. Is there a certain um, kind of skin conditions people come in for more than others at your practice? I think we do a lot of acne mm-hmm. and a lot of rosacea and inflammatory skin conditions. So we do, uh, you know, I'm, I also work at a clinic that deals with severe psoriasis at the Skin Health Institute. So we do a lot of inflammatory eczema psoriasis, a lot of acne and rosacea. Um, and we have a specialised clinic which is part of our collaborative approach for the vulva. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of vulva conditions such as lichen sclerosis or pain, vulvodynia, which we do in conjunction with pelvic floor physios and a gynaecologist. So I think because we're all female dermatologists in our practice, we probably do we do slant towards more the female things, yeah, right. perhaps more than a male dermatologist might. So that's quite nice and that's a nice population to deal with because they're generally very grateful if you can yeah. help. So, and we see a lot of, um, I think probably the second most common thing I see would be women in their 30s with post-pill acne. Right. You know, that yeah, whole sort of okay. age group where you're stopping the pill, you might want to get pregnant. So I tend to see a lot of those patients as well. Yeah. But, I mean, we see everything as a dermatologist. You see people from day one zero from birth to 100 and wherever they might be. So yeah. that's the beauty of it. Yeah, yeah. We, I, the Vulva Clinic's so interesting. Do you want to talk a bit more about that, like how you, that kind of started and what those very pretty sounding words you said were? <laughs> <laughs> I know, dermatologists love using fancy jargon. That you think, oh, that makes me sound really smart. Um, I worked in a Volvo Clinic. There's two Volvo Clinics, public Volvo Clinics in Melbourne at mm-hmm. the Mercy Hospital and the Women's. Yeah. And we and I worked in the Mercy Clinic as a registrar and that's what they did there, a very collaborative approach. Oh. And it was really, I thought, 
a unique experience for a patient and a fantastic experience for a patient because I see a lot of patients that are probably inappropriately referred to me from GPs that should see a gynecologist and vice versa. Right. And often you're not quite sure whether it's a skin thing or it's a gynecological thing. So it's quite yeah. good to have all the people in the room at the same time. So the, the wait list for those clinics is multiple years and we saw an opportunity, um, a very good friend of mine who happens to be a gynecologist and I thought, well, why don't we just start something in private that's a little bit more accessible yeah. and it's been um so it's just something between two friends really is how yeah. it started but it goes to as I said that my sort of collaborative idea about the skin and it works really really well so you basically get two women looking at your vagina yeah. and your vulva and you know we often will do a biopsy if we're unclear on the diagnosis and Felicity who's my colleague is very good at looking sort of more internally and mm -hmm. working out, say, if you have pain, whether it's coming from your pelvis or and I'll say whether it's coming from your skin. So I guess in women particularly they don't talk about things very much, particularly yeah. I find women who've been through childbearing years and might be a bit older and it's always been about the children and looking after a family so they often would leave things quite late and it's, yeah. you know, it's quite sad some of the things you see but you're also seeing in young people. And I guess, you know, the common condition that we treat is one called vulvodynia, which is, you know, painful vulva which can be – during intercourse or it can be during a period or it can just be painful all the time and there's usually multifactorial reasons for that and it's about sort of unpicking all the various causes for it and then you know sometimes there's trauma associated so we sort of have a network of psychologists and pelvic floor physios that help deal yeah. with those sort of angles of it and and I guess the other common inflammatory thing that we see is the lichen sclerosis which is an mm -hmm. autoimmune inflammatory condition in the vulva that often can be associated with other autoimmune diseases yeah. and it's really important to learn know about that because it has a potential to turn precancerous and a lot of architectural change in the vulva so I guess it's a it's a niche area that I think some people especially um, GPs haven't had that much training in and so we kind of just sort people out, give them management plans and it's, you know, it's also a really nice experience to work with other people and I learnt, have learnt so much from my colleagues in that yeah. clinic. And it is great because, I mean, of course, there's like so much stigma around kind of everything and especially if there's a part of your body that's a bit awkward or embarrassing and then so if it's like you already had to G yourself up to go to the GP to be like, hi, hi, I don't really know you, but like there's just something a bit wrong and I don't really know what it is. That's okay. And yeah. then that for them to then refer you and if that person's wrong, it's like how many roadblocks do you need for you just to then go, don't worry about it. Like yeah, yeah, it's probably yeah. fine. Yeah, I think that happens. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's so – and I think, yeah, being able to kind of do a two-pronged attach but being around like women who you can kind of take a deeper breath yeah. with is a lot better. I was talking, we had somebody on who were interviewing about um, endometriosis mm. and just oh, what a the word that comes to mind. It probably isn't appropriate, but <laughs> it's just, you know, everyone she saw kept being a male doctor and, mm. you know, and just kept getting like, you know, deferred and put back and like, well, that's just normal. Like that's just how periods feel. Like mm. somebody told her to get yeah. pregnant to fix it, which is Great not advice. that easy when you've got endometriosis. That's what I said. I was like, very hard. Is that not part one? Yeah. Like, I don't know a lot about endometriosis, but yeah, like, I know that. And yeah. she was like 23. And yeah. also, it might help for nine months. Yeah. yeah. But then your period would come. Yeah. So I think, yeah, you know, she was obviously very put off because there's only so many times you can be told that, like, you're wrong and what you're experiencing mm. is normal before you're like, okay, well, okay, well maybe that's just how I it guess. normal is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. Very interesting about the psychologist. Is that kind of happen quite a lot because I have heard about, you know, of people who are struggling with intercourse um, where it's that they're like, oh, like I just can't and but they're going to doctors and they're saying physically they're fine. 
and it does kind of end up being a trauma yeah, based yeah, response. Yeah. Is that something you see that? Oh, that's very common. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. really common, and often doesn't sort of get spoken about in the first appointment. But you know, yeah. I think I would say that that's a that's a problem in a lot of the patients that we see. And as right. I said, it's multifactorial. They might have had a thrush infection, which has caused them to be mm. really itchy, and then that's left them with some pain. But then that's sort of brought out an underlying traumatic experience, for example, and then right. you know, intercourse becomes very uncomfortable and maybe not possible at all. And so it's about kind of treating all the organic things like if there's thrush or if there's infection or whatever and mm. then kind of getting to the root of what's going on what's like what's causing the underlying anxiety around it and yeah. you know it's like anyway we all get tension like I get really bad headaches and yeah. I grind my teeth it's you know there's a lot of tension so I think if you're you've got anxiety around something you can hold a lot of tension in vagina which is just full of muscles and so you know even the physios who would normally you know fix my my neck or my back that's sore they would you know get in there and kind of free up the muscles in there so I think it's but also you've got to work on the reasoning why you are doing that so I think it's sort of it's very complex and it's really hard to like talk about in a in a short um interview but it's but there's a lot that happens to bring a person to that point I think and it doesn't just happen overnight and it's about just unraveling all the layers and giving each layer its respective attention I guess do you have any advice for women who might if you know if it's something that they just feel a bit like awkward and uncomfortable about but maybe hearing this they're like I that is kind of ringing true do you have any advice for people for like how they would kind of kickstart that process do they need to see a GP to be referred to you guys yeah 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 you would need to see a GP and talk to them about that and it would depend on the GP too some I mean most GPs are really good and if they hear you say that you've got those problems you know, a pain, pain, pain in your vagina or pain with intercourse, then I think it's they would normally refer you to a dermatologist or a gynecologist and then, you know, if it was needed, you could, you would go to a tertiary centre. Mm. But I think I think it's it's not normal to have, and you know, there are get some patients who have had painful intercourse from the first day they've had intercourse yeah. and think that that's normal and it, right. it's not normal. It should be a pleasurable, enjoyable experience. You know, you speak to people like Chantelle Otten, who's a sexologist, you know, it's meant to be a really pleasurable experience and I think if it's not that way there's lots of reasons that it can be but if there's something happening organically then that's something that we can work on yeah you mentioned obviously you see a vast array of people um, for all different types of skin conditions but is there anyone that whose story you're like god that that's a good feel good (laughs) I guess you, you get your little wins every day and I think it's it's sometimes not even the way that the patient has responded to your treatment it might just be the story that they've had in their life outside of what you've treated them for and yeah. you know the, the great thing about dermatology is that you get to experience people throughout their lives so I might see a new baby with a birthmark and then I might see them as a teenager with acne and then I might see them for a skin check and then yeah. I might see them because they're losing their hair and then I might you know so I guess it's um you know every patient I get to go on a real journey with them and so I experience their whole life with them too and then you're normally we're really lucky in dermatology we'll see their family members because the brother will probably have acne as well yeah and then, right you know so it's a kind of a it's a really it's a long journey with with the family and that's yeah akin to GP I guess in some ways and that's part of why I love it so much so I guess every patient I've got a lovely story about I can't yeah. think of anything like specific but I no, will, no, no, that yeah. is very yeah. fine. Is there anything other dermatologists do or is common practice in dermatology that you wish wasn't? This is not specific to all other clinics nor mm. mine, but I think part of the problem is we're all, most dermatologists are very, very busy and I feel yeah. that's a big problem. I think that's just a, that's a nationwide issue. It's probably a global issue that yeah. people can't always access the care that they need. 
in the time that they need and that I think is sad because, yeah. you know, we have so many people that do need. So I think that that's something that's not going to be changed overnight but perhaps in the future we need to train more people. So I think I think that's something that we don't do well. Yeah. No fault of our own but it is, it is hard yeah. and most people have chronic disease. Um, and I think we're all just products of being – I think a lot of the problems that, you know – large or any dermatologist has is being too busy that you can't service people and yeah. people get anxious and you know want to be seen but can't be and I think you know I think that that's one of the things we just would like to be able to help everybody yeah I think. I'm I'm from Canberra so we had five dermatologists in Canberra yeah so that also does like you know all the surrounds down the south mm. coast and everything and then so when my dermatologist shut down my dad was still a patient there and they were like, oh, you've just got to go to Sydney. Sydney, yeah. Like yeah. There's no, and then everyone that would call up, it was like, unless it was a melanoma, like, yeah. that was pretty much the only thing. Yeah. You had to just defer everyone to it's Sydney. It's actually a big problem in Canberra. Yeah, no one's taking on any new patients. It's quite terrible. Yeah, which is yeah. like, it's because like, you know, by the time you're fully qualified, you might already have a family or be yeah. in that part of your life and you're settled. Like you're in your 30s. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't, you know, if you've done your uni elsewhere which you would hazard a guess you probably have, have yeah <laughs> then it's like then you've got to like pick up your whole family and then yeah. move them to Canberra it's, so, it's yeah. hard I mean it's even you know in Victoria I mean at least you can go from Canberra to Sydney and fly there but you know regional Victoria I mean mm. I do clinics in the country and it's just it's hours and hours in the car yeah you know and they it's very difficult to access care in lots of parts of this country it's yeah I think telehealth has become huge during the pandemic particularly I think that's been very helpful but you know it's not as good as seeing patients face to face yeah has that been okay within your practice just because I know sometimes it can be very hard to convey it's actually fine with dermatology really Mm -hmm. because you can send photos yeah right and the skin is so visual like what we do is so visual yeah like if you're a gastroenterologist I think you'd find that (laughs) just get the scope up just a little around that corner there um so I think we're, we're lucky in the way that we can facilitate care via photos again it's not perfect but in yeah. the absence of any other solution I think that's actually been fine yeah and you're also a qualified yoga teacher yes does you know kind of yoga intrinsically is you know a holistic practice about like working from the inside yeah. out does, oh, does that play into it yeah yeah I think and I think it goes down to you know so many skin diseases are exacerbated by stress right and you know People will come in, women will come in with perioral dermatitis or a flare of psoriasis and I'll say, I've got a rash on my face. I said, oh, have you been in rundown? Have you been a bit stressed? Mm. Oh, yeah, like you wouldn't. Be. And, you know, yeah. So I think that even though particularly women who really do, I'm not, this is not anything against men, but, you mm. know, often women do do a lot and mm. they're often multitasking and so they may not feel stressed because they just deal with a whole, a, a, an underlying yeah. level of stress, but then it comes out in their skin really often. And then that's a real sign. I'll tell them, and then often they go, <laughs> "Yeah." And you think, you know what? That's really just your skin telling you. So I do think, you know, to go back to the yogic principles, I just think, you know, just breathe. Just breath is really important. Even mm-hmm. if you think about a procedure that you're going to have, or if I inject local anaesthetic into anyone, I always make them take a really big breath because the first thing that you think about when a needle is coming at you is how much it's going to hurt, and so you yeah. immediately tense up. Right. And that was one of the thing most important things I learned in my yoga. Training was is the power of the breath, obviously. Mm. And so if you breathe, it's amazing. People say to me, oh, your anesthetics don't hurt at all. And I said, well, that's because you weren't going, oh, my God. The yes. <laughs> and that you, that you, you, you breathe. It's yeah. really important. And I do think that, you know, that philosophy of just trying to calm the mind and, and the breath and the body does, does help. I mean, it's not going to make you not have psoriasis. But I do think that it's really uh, the way that we live these days is crazy and bonkers. And I just see so many stress inverted commas rashes yeah that 
you know, I see that in the skin. People yeah. don't need to tell me they're stressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Even just that, like, the threshold is 100%. So yeah. when you're, like, at 120, yeah. you're like, oh, I'm feeling – starting to feel it a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I feel like that's women – like, that's a lot of women, yeah, I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's my therapist's catchphrase. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do you have any advice for people if they are thinking, you know, maybe – I think, you know, people are like, oh, if I have this thing wrong with my skin, then this is like I'll go see somebody about it. Is there any advice you have if people are like, oh, you know, I think that shifting kind of paradigm of like this is the new normal and like you just take a bit, take a bit, Mm. take a bit. Is there anything that you'd say maybe more on like a holistic level of how people can help? That's interesting, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think whatever you can reduce your stress. I just think it's really impractical these days because people want so much want so much from you even yeah. I find that and I think one of the best things you can say is no but I, find, I think that I you know that's very hard myself included yeah. for people to do that willingly um but I think yeah I think you know you've got to nurture yourself a little bit and you know I've got a I've got a small child now and I think I've realized you can't give it all to everyone yeah and I think sometimes you just have to stop and say listen you know I need it to be about me at the moment and I tell my patients that all the time yeah I go home to their husbands and children saying, she told me I have yeah, to yeah. Look I have a doctor's note. No, no washing for like a month. Um, look, it's so easy for me to say that. It's yeah. so easy for me to say that. I don't, I don't know if I have the solution to it, but I think wherever you can create space for yourself is, is important for your health and, you know, your mindset and how you look after other people. Yeah. Um, there is no easy solution. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add or talk about? I think I feel like we've talked a lot about the vulva. That's mm. not all dermatologists do, but um. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please but just actually, take off your pants when you walk into the yeah, dermatologist. Yeah, I really, um, I do think that's an important message to promote because I feel like mm. not that many people talk about that well enough. And yeah. anything that relates to women's health, like menopause, we don't talk about those things enough. So I think whatever we can do, like this, to, to sort of broadcast and promote that knowledge, I think is really important. Yeah. So thank you. But mm. you know, if if you do have like skin concerns, particularly vulval concerns, then you should see your GP as a first call. And then, yeah. you know, seeing a dermatologist is is often a good way if you, um, you know, if you can afford and if you've got time and you can get in. I think that's a really yeah. – There's um, only like really three fun. minor, minor things to <laughs> If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today. And we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery. Plastic surgery.